It is a privilege to be with you this morning. And uh, I need you to pray with me because um, something uh, is happening with me that doesn't happen very often. And that is that um, I feel God is telling me in my spirit to uh, preach something else than what I preached last night and earlier this morning. And uh, I, that usually doesn't happen. Well, it's happening right now. So <laughs> I guess I should just be obedient and do that. So I'm just letting that um, so that um, you don't need to put the, uh, those that are, are back doing the video and stuff like that, you don't need to put the scripture up there because I'm not going to read that. Uh, I'm, I'm being led to uh, read something else uh, from the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bible, um, turn with me to uh, Genesis the first chapter. So, you know, when this is over, you can go out and brag in Jesus and say, we got a message, y'all didn't get it, the other two services. <laughs> he, 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 you know, something like that. <laughs> All right, I'm, all, I'm going to um, start with verse 20 of the first chapter of Genesis. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the, all the earth, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humankind in God's own image. In God's image, He created them. From this text, uh, not to make up a title since I just realized I'm not preaching what I was going to preach before. So we'll call this, Who Are We? Okay, that we'll call this message, Who Are We? Which is okay, because in the last uh, two services, I preached a message called, Who is Jesus? And we may get to that a little bit, but God has wanted me to talk about His creation, us. So pray with me about that. Dear God, I just pray that this would be your message. It has to be since I didn't know I was going to say it. I pray that you would speak. Just use me to just be your speaker. But you be the author, the creator, the giver of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Who are we, really? I think it is so special so wonderful that God created creatures, animals that live in the sky, 
on the earth and in the water. And God created human beings, humanity, but He created us separate. The way God created animals and the way God created human beings were different. We both live on this earth, live in this world, but created very differently. And there's something important to learn about that, to know about that. God created animals, the Bible says, by their kind. Some to fly in the air, some to crawl and walk on the ground, some to swim, move around in the waters. So God created them by their kinds. In the air, in the water, on the earth, God created them. God created these living creatures in their type, after their own kind, after their own likeness, which means even though these creatures live in this world, they were created to tolerate one another and live amongst each other, but there's a certain unity that these different kinds of animals will never have amongst each other, which means that you'll never see a giraffe uh, come in contact with a dolphin in a way that they would create a child. That's not supposed to happen. Don't think about that. So even though these creatures live in this world, they were designed and created to be in their kind, in their species. Well, when God leaves the creation process of animals and moves into the creation process of humanity, it's a different set of rules. It's a different structure. God creates one unified humanity. And God says, I create that humanity, male and female, in my image. God didn't say that about the animals. God didn't say that about the creatures in the sky, in the water, or on the land. God didn't say, I create birds in my image. God didn't say, I create the elephant in my image. He created them, the same God that created us and created those animals, the same God, but we are created differently. God says, I create humanity in my image. Well, who are we? What does that mean? How are we created in God's image? Well, God is three in one. Father, Son, and Spirit. How we are in the image of God, if you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says that we are three in one as well, spirit, soul, and body. The body is our flesh. We hunger. We have need for shelter. We have need for food, for water. Uh, we, we have uh, need for health care. I mean, we're a body. It's the outermost person. We're also a soul. Soul is made up of three parts. Our thinking, our mind, our emotions. We feel joy. We feel anger. We feel happiness. We feel down. Uh, you know, our, our emotions. And then it's also our will. The place where we make decisions. That's in our soul. And then there's the spirit. The spirit is the most intimate place of a human being. It's the innermost person. It's the person that you can't always put words to, but you know it's real. It's the place that you can't touch, you can't grab it, you can't dissect it, you can't do an autopsy on it, but it's there. 
It's so real. It's there. It's maybe more real than the natural realm that we can touch and that we can see, but it's so real. This is the place where God wants to really invade you, where God wants to live in you, where God communes with you. Really, worship is an out-of-body experience. Praise should be an out-of-body experience. It should be in a place that's so deep, so intimate, so personal that you can't explain it. You really can't put words to it. So we are in God's image because we are three in one. That makes us different than animals. That makes us different than creatures in the sky, in the water, on the ground, because we are made three in one like God. We're not God, but we're made after the attributes of God. We're made after the essence of God. We're we're, we're three in one, spirit, soul, body. God is three in one. Who are we? We're a people made in the image of God. But it doesn't stop there. We're also different than the animals because I said that animals are made after their own kind. We weren't made that way. See, we've bought into something that is a great lie. We live in a culture, we live in a world that either says we were made like animals or we come from them. So some people believe in an evolution process that says we evolved from animals. And I'm not going to debate evolution, and there's some parts of evolution that should probably be on the table and should be discussed and should be looked at. But I want to dismantle this part of evolution that says you came from an animal. No, no, we didn't. It's clear in the Bible. It's clear that we were made different than animals. I mean, there's not this process where one day you were like, ooh, and then you were like, ah. And then you're like, whoa! And then you were Greg Boyd walking around. No, I didn't know. No, 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 no. We were made different than the animals. The Bible is very clear. We did not come from animals. We were created by God, special, unique, valuable, higher than the angels, separate from animals. But there are many people that believe we came from animals. There are some people that believe we were made like animals, which means if God made animals to be by their types, by their kinds, like giraffes over here, elephants over there, birds up there, fish down here, some people believe humankind was created like that. Black folks over here, white folks over here, Indians over there, Latinos here, Asians here, and we bought into that. And so we feel like we can't cross these racial lines intimately because we were truly made to really be uh, in our kind, in our type. And so, yes, we should tolerate each other. We should be nice to each other. We should treat each other cordially. But surely, like a Latino person should not marry an Asian person, surely an African-American shouldn't marry an Irish person because we were created like the animals to be in our own kind, to be after our own type. And so we should be nice to each other. We should, and there are pastors that preach that. There are Christian churches that preach that. There are Christian colleges that kick students off campus for dating across so-called racial lines because some of us in this culture have bought in that we either come from animals or we were made like animals, and so then we begin to act like animals. 
So we kill each other like animals. We, 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 we put ourselves down like animals. We, we, we dog each other out like animals. We're vicious to one another like animals. We have animal-like characteristics because we either think we came from animals or we were made like animals. And there's a holy God in heaven trying to let you know today that you're not an animal. You are not a creature. You are my holy creation. Who are we? we got to wrestle with who are we. If the kingdom of God is going to be built on this earth, we got to wrestle with who is God and who are we. you got to know who you are. It, it is about time that the Christian church, Christian community said, look, we are not going to fall for the lie anymore. I'm not an animal. I'm not a creature. I'm a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a people brought out of the darkness into the light to change this world. And, and, and I feel like God has called me, and I'm trying to recruit other people to dismantle this whole notion of race. Now, now, now listen to me, because I believe in multi-ethnicity, which means that I believe that in God's great creation, there are Latinos and Africans and Indians and Germans and Irish. You can go on and on and on. And the more we explore the richness of God in those cultures, in those ethnicities, we can learn more about the fullness of the essence of God. That's, that's ethnicity. That's cross-ethnic. That's understanding the fullness of who you are in God. But what I want to dismantle, what needs to be torn down, are these race-based laws and structures that basically say blacks over there, whites over here, uh, reds over there, yellows over there, and we should be nice to each other, don't hate anybody, don't put anybody down, but, you know, but really stay in your place. And, and the reason why we have to dismantle that is because it's not kingdom structure. It's not what God had in mind. And, and we've got to do it soon. We've got to do it in a hurry because my concern is, is that the church is the most segregated institution in the United States of America, and we've got to tear that down. We've got to tear that down. You're not an animal. You did not come from an animal. You don't have to live like one. We don't have to talk like animals. We, don't, we, we are God's holy creation. God took time creating you. That's why God had to finish the animal thing, get that out of the way, and take a whole day and beyond working with us. I don't know if animals pray. I don't think they do. I don't know how many conversations God has with animals. See, God got the animal thing out of the way so that he could focus on you, so that he could design you, so that he could mold you, so that he could put gifts and talents in you. He could put abilities in you. God's been working on you. Before you were formed in the womb, God was messing with you. God was thinking about you. God was loving you. God was caring about you. God looks at you differently than animals. God looks at you differently than the angels. God loves you. Uh, who are you? You better ask God. God knows you better than you know yourself. And God has taken a lot of time molding, shaping, creating, designing, uh, crafting out a plan for you. Who are we? Who are we really as human beings? What is our place in this world? What is our role? Who are we? And how can we connect to this great God that is the answer to all those questions? You're not an animal. You didn't come from animals. You were made in the very special, unique 
supernatural, powerful image of God. And we need to decide to do something about that. You are more than who you think you are. You are connected to more than what you think you're connected to. Well, what happened then? Is God created this unique, special humanity? What happened? Well, what happened was sin. Sin tears down love. Sin tears down peace. Sin separates. It divides. It causes friction. It causes pain. It causes so-called irreconcilable differences. That, that's what sin does. And so at one time, there was this humanity that was unified. Well, because of sin, the flood came. And Noah, some of you know the story, Noah got his family and he got animals and they went into the ark. And then the floods came, wiped humanity as we knew it before the flood out. When the flood is over, Noah comes out with his family and the animals. And I don't know if they got arrogant. You know, maybe Noah's family was a little arrogant. The kids were like, we survived the flood. Ha-ha! <laughs> yeah, remember Charles? He did. <laughs> but not us. Woo! You know, they were throwing gang symbols. Noah's side! You know, they just, you know throwing gang symbols and stuff. I mean, it was all arrogant, happy. So they thought they were so great, so blessed, so wonderful that they had survived the flood that then, you know, soon they started building this tower thinking they could be gods, thinking they could build this tower of Babel up to God. And the Scripture is very clear that because of that arrogance, because of that sin, God realized that the flood really didn't accomplish what the flood was supposed to accomplish, and the people were scattered. These children of Noah, this unified humanity was scattered, which I believe led to the diversity that we see today, the ethnicities, the different people groups. We were not designed just to tolerate each other. We were not designed to stay in our groups. And so what happened is ever since the tower, ever since we've been a scattered people, ever since you've had Irish there, German here, African here, Asian there, Latino here, Hmong, whatever it is, ever since we got scattered, God has been on a mission trying to reconcile God to God's people and trying to reconcile God's people back to each other. God is on a mission of reconciliation. God is on a mission of unity. God is on a mission of building a kingdom. And, and all we have to do is go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 shows us that God is trying to repair the breach. God is trying to bring back a kingdom that is united. And I know I've read this here before, but I mean, just indulge with me and allow me to read this again to you. If you read the second chapter of Acts, what happens is the day of Pentecost come, it comes, in, and it says that uh, on this day of Pentecost, there were Jews, religiously and culturally. And, and let's just pretend some Gentiles snuck in. And on this day, tongues came upon the disciples, and they began to speak in, in, in multi-ethnic languages so that everybody there could hear the gospel in their native language. And they also spoke in supernatural tongues. And some people just thought they were drunk. Then Peter gets up and preaches, which, which must have been 
Because if there's all these different languages and cultures there, even though we're just reading the words, you know, interpreted from the Greek in the New Testament, this had to be a multilingual experience. So that while Peter was preaching, regardless of your ethnicity or your background, you heard the gospel. And then it says that 3,000 of these people of different ethnic backgrounds, of different colors, gave their life. They said, yes, we believe. Gave their life to Jesus. And instead of going back to their scattered communities, they built a radical, revolutionary church. A community where they broke bread together, where, where they learned together, where they, they spent their social lives together. I mean, their teaching time together. This multi-ethnic, beautiful community, and it points us to what the church should really look like. God wants to rescue you. God wants you to be delivered from a divided, animalistic type lifestyle into the holy, supernatural life that God has had planned for you all along. And God doesn't just want to do it individually with you, between you and God. God wants to do it corporately within humanity. And this is the role of the church. This is who we are. This is who we are. If the question is, who are we? We're God's holy creation, separate from the animals, uh, in order to be reconciled with God and in order to be reconciled with each other to build a community that is countercultural to the community of this world. That's who we are. That's our role. That's our job. You are more than who you think you are. Now, I think I might have told this story here before, but, you know, just indulge with me again. I went to my family reunion about four years ago, and um, I just figured I'm I'm black, so I'm going to a black family reunion. So I said goodbye to all my white friends. I said, hey, I'm gone. Go to my family reunion. Don't expect to see you. And... uh, (laughs) So, uh, so I went to my family reunion, and there's a woman in my family who is a professional genealogist. She studies the roots of families. She traces the roots of families as far back as she possibly can. And when she got up to uh, share at the banquet, our family reunion that night, she said, um, she told me that my great-great-grandfather was full-blooded Irish. I said, say what? And then she told us that he married a woman who was half Cherokee and half African-American in the South. So that was very controversial at that time. They had a son, my great-grandfather, who was so fair-skinned he could pass for white. And she said that, you know, when he was uh, a young man, he would come home on the weekend staggering from the bar. And when he was going back to the black community where he lived, because he looked like he was white, the police would stop him and say, oh, this is not where you want to go. Don't go down there. Those are not your people. Come with us. And he'd look at him and he'd say, those are my people. And then they'd arrest him and take him to jail. (laughs) And and, and he said this happened about every other weekend or so. (laughs) He had a son, my grandfather, my mother's dad, who just passed away about three months ago, who um, was very fair-skinned and had long, straight hair that he wore down on his shoulders. Some people thought he was Latino. Some people thought he was Hawaiian. Some people just looked at him. (laughs) So she talked about all these multi-ethnic roots in my family. So when I left my family reunion, I said, I'm Irish. Now, 
Now, just looking at me on the surface, you wouldn't think I'm Irish, but I am. It's in me. It's in my bloodstream. It's in my veins. It's in my DNA. I can't do nothing about it. It's in a place you can't see, but it's so real, it's true. I'm Irish. On St. Patrick's Day, I drink green Kool-Aid. I'm just, oh, man. Top of the morning to you. I'm Irish. But I'm not just Irish. I'm Cherokee Indian. I am. That's who I am. You know, you might not be able to tell on the surface, but that's okay. Don't judge me by what you see on just the outside. I'm bigger than you think I am. I go deeper than what's on the surface. I'm fuller than that. I'm, I'm wider. My spectrum, my mindset is so much broader than what you see on the surface. And the same thing happens when you become a Christian. When you become a Christian, who you're related to changes. Your mindset should change. Your spirit should grow. You're not just what you see on the outside. You're not just what the culture calls you. You're not just what's in a song. You're not just what's on a video. You're not just the words that maybe you were abused with growing up. That's not who you are. Don't define yourself by the culture. Don't define yourself by corporate America. Don't define yourself by institutions. Don't, re- don't look at yourself by old traditional doctrines. You are new. You are broader. You are bigger. You are a queen. You are God's prince. You are bigger. You are deeper. You are fuller than you think you are. You are not who you think you are. You are God's special, valuable creation. What are you going to do about that? Don't look at me like I'm not your brother. I'm your brother. I'm a crazy brother, but I'm yours. This is me. What's up? I'm your brother. What are we going to do about all these family members we got? That means next time you take a mission trip to another country, you can't save those people. You got to say, God, how can I reach my people? When you go into an inner city neighborhood, you can't say, look at those people. You got to say, God, what am I going to do about my people? When you go to a rural community, you can't say, look at those folks. You got to ask God, what am I called to do about my folks? You are not created like animals. You are God's holy creation. And I think it's about time that we open the doors a little wider in our heart and in our mind and in our living room. We need to start breaking bread with our family. We need to start coming into community with our family. There are too many lost family members out there. Too many of my supernatural spiritual relatives that don't know the grace and the mercy and the transformation of Jesus Christ. I got too many relatives sitting next to me in a cubicle at work that I've never talked to. I sit in the classroom. There are so many lost relatives. There are so many orphans outside of my family. So many foster kids spiritually out there. And God is saying, what are you going to do about that? You are bigger than what you think you are. You are related to more people. Do not define yourself by the world. Be in the world, but don't be of it. Renew your mind. This is a family reunion. This is not a religious exercise. This is bigger than a service. This is a supernatural family reunion. I'm looking around and I'm seeing all the different ethnicities in here. Woodland Hills, you could be a sneak preview of heaven. 
You could be a radical, countercultural community that turns the Twin Cities upside down. What you going to do about that? So I apologize for not preaching what I was supposed to. Some of us need to be reminded of who we are. You know, um, I better come to a close. I don't want to go over my time here. But this, I want to close with a story. There was a guy, his name was Kevin, worked at a zoo. And um, Kevin had a friend named Scott. And they were both working at the zoo down in Dallas, trying to make money during the summer to pay for college. And they were just total goofballs. And uh, their job was to clean the animal stuff in, in the cage. And sometimes, you know, you get bored with that kind of job, and you have to do stuff to make the job fun, make it creative, so it doesn't get mundane. So sometimes when they're shoveling up the stuff, they would like, Make up games. And so they had this one game where Kevin would take and fill his shovel up, and then he'd throw it back like that, and Scott would catch it and then toss it into a bag. And so, you know, Kevin just stopped, started throwing it up in the air, and then pretty soon they were like, man, you know, if you throw it with just the right velocity, just at the right height, it speeds up, and sometimes Scott didn't even have to catch it, and he'd go right in the bag. And they were like, wow, that is so cool. And so they were playing this game and they didn't see that their supervisor was walking to where they were and the supervisor wanted to talk to him but he didn't he didn't want to you know tell him he was what he had to say till he got right up to him because he didn't think they'd be able to hear him and I don't know why this particular time the stuff fell short and um wow that's gross we'll just say it fell on the supervisor and he was angry so he called Kevin and Scott into his office and he said, look, I should fire you guys right now. You're playing around, messing around. You're not serious. You take this job serious and I would fire you right now except there's one problem. And he went to the closet and he opened the door and a dead gorilla fell out. He said, you see this gorilla? It's dead. It's dead. It's, you see that? It's not moving. He said, uh, this is our prized gorilla. People come here from all over the country to see this gorilla and he's dead. And he said, this is what will save your job. He said, Kevin... We got a gorilla suit we're bringing in, and uh, we got some makeup artists coming, and you've got the rest of this day to learn how to be this dead gorilla. And until we get a new gorilla, you are going in the cage tomorrow. You're going in there, and you better be that gorilla or you're fired. I'm not kidding. I'll give you a raise, too. I'll pay you $20 an hour to be the gorilla, but if you don't do it, you're fired. And Scott, I'll find something for you to do. So... Kevin really didn't have a choice. He needed a job. So he went through the training that afternoon. Um, the next morning, he put on a gorilla suit. They put stuff on his eyes to make it look bloodshot. And there he was in the cage. And he's gone, nobody's going to believe I'm a gorilla. They're going to come here right away. They're, 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 it's, it's, as soon as I do something, they're going to know I'm not a gorilla. I hate this, but I need the money. So a little girl came up to the cage. And it said right on the cage, do not feed the animals. But she had some popcorn, and she threw a piece of popcorn in the cage. This was Kevin's chance to prove he was a gorilla. So he jumped down just like they taught him. He walked just like they taught him. He talked just like they taught him. He picked up the popcorn. He put it in his mouth. And he said, Ooh. And the girl was like, Hey! She took another piece of popcorn, threw it in the cage. Kevin went, picked it up, 
put it in his mouth like a gorilla, looked at her and said, Who? And the girl like went and told her parents and they came and it said don't feed the animals, but the parents started throwing snicker bars and stuff like that in there. And Kevin was like, man, I might as well get lunch. And he would put it in his mouth and he would say, woo. And then he beat his chest and then he jumped around. It was like a gorilla. Just then he was swinging. And there was a whole crowd of people and they were copping. And he's like, I can't believe this. They believe I'm the gorilla. They think I'm really the gorilla. And he got all happy and he was swinging. And all of a sudden he swung so high that his arm got caught in the other cage. And he looked over, and he's trying to get his arm out, and it's stuck. And he, and he looks at the other cage, and it's a lion cage. And, and the lion runs at him and swipes at his face. And he's like, help! <laughs> and the people that were clapping were like, ha! <laughs> Did that gorilla just say help? And he didn't know what to do, so he said, who? And the people were like, oh, he said, who, for a minute there. I thought he said, help, huh? All right, he said, who? <laughs> and so he's stuck there, and he tries to get his arm out, and all of a sudden his head is stuck in the cage now, and the lion comes right at his face. I mean, there's slob coming out the lion's mouth. He sees the teeth. The lion is right here, and before he can do anything, the lion says, it's me, Scott. Will you shut up before you ruin it for the both of us? Here's the moral to the story. <laughs> Many of us are not walking around in the image God created us to be. Many of us are walking around in our lives in gorilla suits, in lion suits. We're wearing a false identity. We've taken on the identity. We've taken on the costume of this world. And we are a divided people. We are a segregated people. We are a divorced people. We are, we are people not living in God's plans because the world has put a gorilla suit on us. The world has put a lion suit on us. And we need to take that sucker off and be God's creation, God's true, beautiful, unified kingdom, God's community on this earth. The worship band is going to come back up now. And as they lead us in music, I want you to consider taking the suit off today. Would you unzip your soul, your heart, your mind, and let God raise you up to be the beautiful creation that you were meant to be? Would you be willing to build a community in your home, in your neighborhood, here in this church, so that God's kingdom can truly be built? You are more than you think you are. And maybe this is the day we do something about that. God bless you.